It's all right. It's all right. You know, um, we interrupt this program. shorter than usual. <laughs> we, we interrupt this program to bring you breaking news. Zorb, Zorb has caught the Zorbulon fever of <clears throat> Quantrubridus and uh, his 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 brother's here. It's me. Uh, did you know Zorb had a twin? You know? Did you know that Gorb? Uh, you you look so similar. It's hard to tell your personality. I didn't even know you could see me. I didn't even know Gorbulites had eyes. It's more of like an echolocation kind of thing. Oh, okay. your shapes, your shapes, very very similar. <laughs> You're still geometric, you know. <laughs> You're not the wall. Let me tell you that. All right. Oh. <laughs> Pink Floyd knew all about that. Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's answer? that's how that's how Zorb that's how Zorb two laughs. He goes, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I've got a question that I've had prepared for the day that I took over for my brother. Oh, okay. Is, was, had, your, is your name going to be Zorb two? Yes, this is Zorb two. I have a deeper voice, if you can't tell. Zorb two is in the digit, or as like the you know the the word phrase. I don't know grammar words. It's actually two with the three O's. Oh, okay. <laughs> three O's. Three O's means a new person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So I've I've had this question prepared for many epochs. Mm-hmm. Um, Gorb, are you ready? Yeah, throw it at me. Um. Uh, which animal has more um appendages? Wait, what? Okay, all right. Um, a centipede. Mm-hmm. Or a Portuguese man of war. Like which one has? Okay. Uh, wait. Yeah. Did I say centipede? I meant millipede. Okay. I'm going to go millipede. That's going to be my guess. Okay. I mean, there's a bunch of different species of millipede, but um, I guess... I, I mean, it's in the name, Gorb. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, you want to look, look up, up the Man of War, because that's going to be way more difficult. <laughs> all right, you look up Man of War. <laughs> How many... Uh, there we go. How many tentacles... Ah, tentacle should get you there. There we go. Good luck, everybody. Uh, it just says the length. Okay, hold on. Oh God. Let me, let me put my uh, my my gorble skills to work. I was so prepared, gorble. You need to go into the Gorbatrex and log in with your secret admin. I'm going deep into the Zorb 2 systems that Zorb 1 does not have access to. You know, he stole my password once, but he couldn't even figure out this one. I'm definitely it's definitely not Chad GPT. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? What? <laughs> All right. Um Here we go. Okay. Hold on. Uh, Did you find the uh, the Portuguese man or number? Um, it just said the the best I have is multiple. 
I got four to eight as an overview for all jellyfish. Okay, so let, let's go on. ahead and say millipede wins. Yeah, millipede has an average average species of millipede has three hundred legs. So whatever you say. <laughs> okay, do you want to go first or second, Mister Gorbulus? Who went? Who went first last time, dude? <laughs> That that was space time dilation has shifted since then. You know what? I'll go first. Throw it my way. Let's see what we can okay. do. Let's do it. Okay. I got I got our timer up, Mr. Gorb. Do you? Uh that wasn't keyboard clacking you just heard. <laughs> that was just um my tinfoil collection. <clears throat> um you know, it talks. <laughs> Anyway, yes. What? What? Wait. Did you say question and then stop? I said tinfoil collection. Oh, we're botching this one. Oh God! Prompts. Listen, this is my first show. (laughs) Your prompt is to tell me about Jeff Jeff's tinfoil collection and go. 22.33 on the clock, correct? 22.30 on the clock. Okay, alright. Uh, Jeff's tinfoil collection. Alright. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's quiet our minds and let me paint you a nice mental picture. Oh, yeah. Paint that picture. Have you ever been to Cleveland, Ohio? Um, I can't say I have. That's okay. Neither is Jeff. Um... Jeff, I know, right? <laughs> At least it's not Cleveland. Anyway, exactly. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, as his friends called him, his his proper name was um, Jefferson uh, Vanderskoosh. Um, great name. Yeah. Great, great name. Yeah, Jefferson Vanderskoosh. Um, he was born in southern New Hampshire. Hmm. And he was born in the year 1758. Mm. Mm, yeah. Mm. Now, what's that in relation to the Revolutionary War? Things are starting to brew. <laughs> things are starting to brew. You know, things are starting to brew. Yeah, tensions are high in this, uh, in this, these colonies. You know, which which would have played a huge role in Jefferson Vanderscooch's life if. After he was born in 1758, he disappeared mysteriously as a oh, baby. God. Yeah. That is during the Revolutionary War. 1758? Probably. No, I think it's a little prior, I think. Um, okay. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a historian. No, you're right. It started <laughs> in 1775. Okay. All right. So, Jefferson, anyway, back to the story. It was Jeff and his collection of tinfoil, correct? Yeah, it, sure. Yeah, all right. So Jefferson Vander Scooch. Um, the Scoochiest. The Scoochiest. Jeff. The Scooch. The Scooch. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so long story short, he's born. Wait, in, you said um, he went missing as a baby? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is he now? Or I mean, like. Oh, we're, we're getting there. Okay, sorry. Hold your, hold your horses. Um, sorry, Zorb, Zorb 2 gets a little jumpy over here. No, don't worry about it. Uh, Jefferson Vander Scooch. 
at about four days old, his mother, um, Camilla Vanderscooch, went in to go, you know, check on the baby. Because let me tell you, the price of tea in this colonies is going up. And, Mm. you know, back in those days, you would air your grievances to the youngest child, as was appropriate in New Hampshire culture. Brief brief question, Gorb. Yep. Do you consider four-year-olds to be babies? Oh, no, four days old. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah, he's four days old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's definitely a baby. Yeah, she was going to go air her grievances about the price of tea to the young member of the family who is... Listen, sometimes the only thing that's around is a baby. Wait, somebody yeah. else is there. Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> was she venting about tea to the baby? She was going to, but the baby wasn't there. Okay. And, you know, maybe if this happened in more modern times, it would have been cause for alarm, but it's 758. Mm, yeah. The new world. Life shit wall to wall. Things happen. Shit I mean, were, were they loyalists? It doesn't matter. The price is... Uh, yeah. yeah no. So they were just like, ah, another one bites the dust. Anyway, <laughs> they didn't have a body, so they didn't have to pay for a cemetery plot. Freddie Mercury himself found that lyric in their house. Exactly. No, that's not true. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's that's 1758. Yes. Four days old, mysteriously vanishes. Vanishes. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's fast forward to the year 1970. Okay. Wow, that's that's a big time skip. It is a big time skip. Um, now, in that same little part of colonial New Hampshire, where the mm-hmm. Vanderscooch family lived, we're going to go right back to that same plot of land, although much mm-hmm. different in 1970. I'm sure. And that plot was the home of like a, a nice, you know, apartment complex building. And one of the couples in there on the, on the first floor, right above where the Vanderscooch family would have lived. 100 odd years ago, 200 odd. Um, you know, math. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Um, Something. It was a young couple. You know? Yeah. They had just gotten married, um, you know, planning on starting a family of their own. You know, they, they New Hampshire native. They're, get, they're getting ready. Mm-hmm. But there was a problem. Um, oh, no. Because of a terrible, terrible. Uh, jellyfish encounter off the coast of uh, uh, Portugal. No, no, Vermont. I the Vermont on the coast. <laughs> okay, off, off the coast of Connecticut. Um, sure. <laughs> so many deadly jellyfish there. There are. Sometimes they float out <laughs> there. Yeah, sure. My husband, he was not capable of having children. Okay. That man of war got him in all the wrong places. Okay. He's never been the same since. <laughs> Wait, so it was a man of war? Oh, it was a man of war, yeah. Okay, gotcha. It escaped an aquarium. It was quite a crafty jellyfish, mm. if I may say so myself. Yep. Rumors say that it came from the mysterious Plum Island facility. Mm. A long study on jellyfish intelligence. Sounds All likely. Besides the point. Um, so they're just, you know, reading their newspapers in their apartment, as one does yep. in the 1970s. And this baby just like, poof, pops into their apartment. Oh dang! Yeah, like so, they they watched it appear, or it was just there. Um, I, to say whether anyone had clear eye contact on the moment the baby poofed into existence to when it like dropped two feet and hit the floor because the cradle wasn't there anymore. Jeez, started crying. 
Um, that's a that's a long drop. It's, it's a lot to take in. You know, reports were mixed. Um, yeah, but you know, because there's a there's a floor above them now. You know, and the baby was you know he's on the floor crying, unharmed. He's okay. Um, not near any windows. Assuming that he popped into existence was a fairly reasonable assumption. Now the um the the baby the parents what are the their parents. names yeah so I was just gonna get to that I was I was uh, it's Maggie and uh Shaggy Maggie and Margarine Squanch or <laughs> what? yeah. Very Dutch roots. You had such a good opportunity with Shaggy Gorb. You went margarine yeah. squanch. Maggie and margarine squanch horn. Maggie's the wife, obviously. Margarine is the husband. Um, uh, obviously. <laughs> such a masculine name, margarine. Yeah, of course. You know? no, no way it could be gender neutral. How many exactly. times? Time <laughs> you see a man, you see a margarine. You know what I mean? 15 time minutes. Time What do we got on the time situation? 15 minutes, Gorb. Okay. All right, so it's Maggie, Margarine, uh, the I forget their last name, something Dutch-like. Anyway, um, the baby, baby Jefferson, uh, fuck, I forget his last name too, Squanderdorn or whatever. Van, Vanders, Vandersquatch. Vandersquatch, yep. And the baby pops in there. They're like, uh, should we call the cops? I mean, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. <laughs> call the cops. <laughs> You know, my first thought when I see a baby. <laughs> did, that, did that thing break in here? The, the cops would come and then the first they're the first responders. They'd know the appropriate medical procedures. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Yeah, okay. 911 is what I meant to say. I'm sorry. Sure, Gorb. You, you keep talking about your baby fears and then covering them up. All right. Um, fast forwarding, but they keep the baby, whatever, you know. <laughs> Nobody can find any living relatives of Jefferson Vandersquanch. Um, okay. They find, like, he, the baby was wearing, like, a little, you know, 1750s knitted onesie thing that's got his name on it. A bonnet. What, what'd you say? Yeah, bonnet, yeah. That'll work. Uh, and it's got his name <laughs> on it. So they just they just adopt it. And because they, you know, ever since the jellyfish incident, they've been a little confused about their own last names, effects of the poison. They, they can't even remember. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of lot of poison in those manners. But the wife didn't get stung. What is it? A mass hallucination? No, she got she got stung because she was trying to come rip the jellyfish off the husband. Um, oh, okay. It was just, it was a massacre all around that beach in Connecticut. It's not been the same since. It's shut down. Shut for good. <laughs> anyway, so we've got Maggie, Margarine, Jefferson, Vandersquatch. It's the whole family now. Nineteen seventy. Wait, they just took his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how his full name was submitted. Anyway, fast forwarding, you know, Jefferson lives a full life, goes to high school. Oh, okay. You're graduating. So we're in like the 90s now? Yeah, why not? Um, you know, he goes to college, you know, gets a degree as a, I don't know, something. Halo, to- playing Halo 1 on Xbox. Yeah, it doesn't take you. Like, maybe he's an engineer in IT or whatever. Long story short, we're fast forwarding now. It's it's like it's early two thousands. You know, let's go oh four. It's oh four. Oh yep. three, oh four. Um I don't know exactly how old Randy Squanch is right now, but thirty something. Yeah. You know, discounting the 
hundred fifty odd year gap. The time skip. Yeah, the time skip. Um, I gotta hustle this along. So you got you got twelve minutes. You're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> so Jefferson Vandersquatch, you know, he's living in uh, in in Queens. Okay, he's got an apartment. He works in the city. He's some sysadmin at some bustling tech company that just opened in New York. Mm. It was a good life. He's a quiet guy. Microsoft. It's Seattle, but yeah, the New York division. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, why not? So he gets a phone call one day. You know, he's, he comes home from work, sits down to eat his uh, PB&J. Um, he's a grown man, but he, he just really he loves jelly so much. Dude, peanut butter and jelly is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he gets a call from his. Uh, what does he pack his sandwich in? What do you mean, like, like with bread? What what does he what does he put the sandwich inside of? <laughs> well, no, this is for dinner. Oh, yeah, he's okay. home. Get a phone call. Um, uh, and the phone on the other end of the phone is his father, uh, Marjorie. Marjorie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, "I can't uh, believe it's not butter." Is that what he says when he picks up the phone? <laughs> no, it's not. He says, uh, Jeff, have you heard of this thing called I Can't Believe It's Not Butter? And he's like, No, I haven't. What is it? Is it butter? And he's like, No, and I can't believe it. He anyway, literally cannot. Back to the issue at hand. Uh, <laughs> your mother's dead. We need you to come home for the funeral. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, obviously, you know, he took that sandwiching of the compliment way <laughs> too far. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, uh, Jefferson, he comes home back to New Hampshire for his mother's funeral. Um, they layered a rest. Um, you know, the father, father, the father, Marjorie, he gives the eulogy. Wait, fa- father, Marjorie is his dad? Like his dad's a priest? No, he's his dad. He's his father. Oh well, then the who's father, the father at the, the funeral? The father's name is um the actual priest of the community. His name is a uh, the father, father of whom, Gorb? The the father priest father. His name is Father Butter. Um. Oh God. Yeah. Anyway, but can you he believe it? <laughs> we got to get back on track here. I got a whole plot line to uncover. We got to get to the tin foil. Nine minutes, Gorb. Throwing me off. Hold on. Let me let me tell my story. Anyway. <laughs> As uh, Jeff, he's burying his mother and such. Uh, he sees this guy like out in the in the bath, like, like someone back. someone snooping on the funeral. Yeah, not snooping, just observing from afar. Okay. Uh, Jeff talks to his dad. He says, "Hey, hey uh, Dad, um, you know that guy?" The dad looks over and he's like, "What guy?" Uh, Does the dad not see him? It doesn't seem like it. Um. So obviously Jeff's a little off put, you know, thinks maybe mm. it's brief or something. But you know, his dad's like, all right, well, you know, we're gonna go pack up. Um, you know, I'll meet you at the reception kind of thing, right? After the after yeah. And Jeff says, Okay, let me go walk to my car and I'll meet up with you there. So Jeff is walking by and nobody else seems to acknowledge the man standing underneath the trees, away from the funeral, dressed in a nice, you know black suit but unlike a usual sort of suit the coattails are very long a style that went out quite a long time ago um 
And, mm. uh, you know, Jeff walks over to him and says, oh, excuse me, uh, did you know my mother, uh, Maggie Vanderskush? <laughs> yeah, you got it. All right, that'll work. Um, <laughs> and the man says, no. Hmm. And I was like, are you, are you, are you waiting for... <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. He says, are you Jefferson Vanderskadoosh? And goes, <laughs> Did his name change in the last 10 seconds? It changes a lot. Don't worry. Um, and Jeff says, yes. Okay. And he says, have some tea. And he gives him a little cup of tea. Now, any normal human being would be like, this is, um, you know, I re- I should not accept this tea. Yeah. But it's summertime. And let me tell you. And he's wounded. It's fucking harsh. He's thirsty. There's yeah. not enough liquids at that funeral. So he takes a sip. Puts it for tears. <laughs> so, yep. Um, time check? Uh, seven minutes. Okay. Uh, now Jefferson wakes up a second time. All right. He wakes up. What? Like the last second he remembers is drinking the tea? Last second he remembers is drinking the tea. Yes. Are you good with that? You got it? Okay. So he wakes up. <laughs> wakes up. Yeah. The colonial era looking house. Oh, no. Like really like very shabby by today's standards. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cool. And, you know, obviously he's dressed in a suit, you know, quite nice modern clothing. Yeah. From the 2000s, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he starts panicking. He's obviously like, where the fuck where am, am I? I? What happened? Yeah. Who is the guy who gave me the tea? Hmm. In the meanwhile, in the meantime, he sees somebody come in from the other end of the house, a woman dressed completely in colonial era garb, screaming, Jefferson, my boy, he's home, he's home, he's home. And she runs towards him, trying to grab him. And then all of a sudden, poof, he's back. And he's, he's back sitting, at the funeral? Not at the funeral, at the reception. Hmm. With a beer in his hand, sitting down, talking to his dad, Marjorie. Hmm. And dad goes, uh, Jeff, you okay? It's spaced out there for a second. And he says, eh, yeah, I'm alright. Um, <laughs> willing to re- reveal, wanting to reveal how he feels he's going completely insane. Yeah. Uh, time check. Uh, five minutes and 25 seconds. Okay, so... Then I fast forward this a little bit. So, okay. So the next couple of months, Jeff is having these really weird time slopes. All right. Mm. One minute he's in present day. One minute he's in early American Revolution era. Right. How frequently is this happening to him? Uh, three times a week. Okay. With the exception of Tuesdays, it happens like seven times out of two. <laughs> ah, those Tuesdays are the worst. <laughs> Tuesdays are the worst. Anyway, um, it's causing problems at work. At least Monday knows it's bad, right? Yeah, Monday knows it's bad. Tuesday, you don't expect to have seven times. <laughs> um, he goes to a psychiatrist, sees if there's okay. anything they can do. They think he's slowly going crazy. He assures them he's not. He tries to bring back artifacts and things from one time to another. It just doesn't work. Mm. So he slowly, you know, due to the ensuing paranoia, starts to collect tinfoil. Your standard, standard uh, grade Reynolds wrap. And he makes mm. like little hats out of it. Um, you know, he wears like his work hat over it. You know, he's wearing <laughs> a hat at work or a bikini. You know, he has that. And underneath is multiple layers of tinfoil to protect okay. the time rays. 
you know, yeah. he wasn't ever insane, but the insanity of his circumstances are certainly helping him make him actually insane. Drove him to the edge. Yeah, you know, he wasn't anywhere near the edge, but he's he's well past that now. Yeah. You know, he'll go out to a bar on Friday, you know, strike up a casual conversation, ask what the day is, and then say something like, Ain't that a quip? Wait till the aliens get here, and then start scribbling on cocktail napkins what looks like math, but it's not math. You oh know, God! Writings of a madman. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jeff, you know, he was making good money beforehand. Yeah. Um, lost his job, obviously. It's been a couple months, but he's bought so much tinfoil. Like so much, like it's all over. His it's it's wall. reflective. It is reflective, you know. And what does he do with all of it? Hats, shin guards, boxers, anything, you know. Covers <laughs> himself completely in tinfoil. He's got this theory that it doesn't help. It doesn't. Now, one day, as he's wearing, you know, his tinfoil briefs, tinfoil lined jeans, tinfoil hat, you know. Everything's just tinfoil at this point. The shirt, there's no even line. It's just straight carved out of Ronald's wrap. Anyway, the man yeah. who gave him the tea pops in to his apartment, in the middle of his apartment. Jeff starts screaming, as one would do, and throwing pieces of tinfoil at the man. Doesn't really work. Time check. Two and a half minutes. Okay. The man says, Jeff, you are needed. You know, in a in a slightly hysterical um, slightly aluminum lead poisoned voice Jeff says <laughs> you know you know it's, it's very it's, wait what did he say he's saying who are you but the uh, aluminum okay. makes his voice very high um, it also and, gives very crazy acoustics to the room oh, oh for sure it's quite an echo chamber in there um, <laughs> the man says my name is Greg yeah and, good old Greg uh, Jeff is like well, that doesn't really help, you know, elucidate who you are or why you're here. Like, what are you doing? One here? minute and 30 seconds. Okay, why are you sending me back in time? And Greg says, I am of the jellyfish of the North. <laughs> We're a species called the Portuguese man of war. <laughs> and in the timeline where the Americans lose the Revolutionary War, you know, the British and their fellow Portuguese hunt our jellyfish <laughs> culture to extinction. We need <laughs> Americans to win. You're their only hope. And he's like, what? Does and Greg then, look human? Yeah, he's, they could shapeshift. Anyway. <laughs> Hold on, let me finish it. Greg's like, grab all the aluminum foil you have, line your body with it. And he's like, what? I'm so confused. And long, Does he long do as he's told? He does it. And then Greg pushes him. And he wakes up back again in the colonial era, New Hampshire. And... Okay all this metal just pours out of the man. Like the poor colonial people have never seen. They're like, perfect. We've been running out of ammunition for our muskets. Let me smell this metal. And yeah, that's how we won the battle of Concord, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That man is the reason we are a nation. And that Portuguese man of war jellyfish still exists. Still exists. You know, those two things... That's a that's that's not a correlation. That's a causation. Causation, right there. Woo. Oh boy, Gorb. That was a that I was a whirlwind. What a whirlwind is right. 
Oh boy. Oh my god. Um are we Oh, it's game time. All right, are you ready for Give your me that prompt? prompt, Gorb. I'm Gorb ready. Sue, you ready? I was your born ready, prompt Gorb. is to tell me about the mysteries of Toad Island. Go. Okay. 33 on the clock. Once upon a time, there was a um a small village in the steppes of um ancient mongolia mm -hmm. and everyone in that village died um any uh, reason or just old age um, anyway our story begins <laughs> our story begins um in the depths of a cave near that village in mongolia in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. And if one, you know, that cave still exists today. Mm -hmm. And that village had over 300 people in it. Mm -hmm. And they're all but, dead now, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, many, many, many years, you know, centuries ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that time, I don't know if you know this about Mongolia. You probably do. But pretty much all of Mongolia's population is in like one city. And then everyone else, it's like 2% of the population in the whole entire continent. Yeah. So there was only one other... nomadic lifestyle, pastoralist. There was only one other village that consistently communicated with this village that went missing. Okay. Um... And, you know, there's a, a historian that was mm -hmm. able to track down some paperwork about this. And basically he found one scribe, mm -hmm. if you would call him that, who got message from one of the traders. Like, mm -hmm. tr like people who were trading with this village. Yeah, merchant, yeah. Yes, and his note basically wrote... No bones, no nothing. All my friends are gone. Mm. Pretty har pretty harrowing, right, yeah. Gorb? Yeah. So at the bottom of that message was a map showing where this trade merchant mm -hmm. went to, supposedly. Yeah. The where the pieces of the lost village, where the lost village existed, more or less. It, the map yeah. was hard to really fine tune because it came from a certain location. That location had moved because it was nomadic. But basically, over five years, this historian was able to locate where he thought this village might have been. Mm -hmm. Okay, now this historian uh, lived in Beijing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he got, you know, this is uh, the mid 80s at this point. Okay. Nice. He got, yeah. he got payment from the Chinese government mm -hmm. to be able to go and do this on the government dollar. Yeah. To go investigate. The he wasn't really sure. He wasn't expecting anyone other than the university to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But apparently, you know, 
Mr. Chang, the uh, senior uh, of the local government organization, contacted him personally mm -hmm. and said that the federal Chinese government would yep. fund his expedition. Okay. All right. To which our our historian, Mr. Chang. No, that Mr. Mr. Chang is the one who funded it. Oh, okay. All right. What's our, our name? Our historian. His name is uh, is lost to all records. But we will get to like that. it's like it's redacted from where we're reading it now. Like there's no. Everywhere where his name was is erased. But we're okay. gonna call him we're gonna call him Zhang. Zhang, okay. So Zhang, he goes out mm -hmm. to this area. And he brings, you know, he he flies out to the capital city of city of Mongolia. Mm -hmm. You know, with its name. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't know it off the top of my head either. Um, <laughs> you know, Ul Ulan Batar. <laughs> What's it called? Ulan Batar. Okay. All right. Nice. <laughs> and uh, he he has you know he he speaks Mongolian, although it's you know rudimentary. His 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 you know first language is Chinese. Mm -hmm. And but he gets by, and he basically works out with his local hotel. Um, you know, kind of working around to see if there's someone who's willing to take him out to that area. Yeah, right. So he he finally gets word from his hotel concierge, and they're like, "There's someone who is going to take you out," and he's like, "Well, that's great. Uh, let's do it. Let's go ahead." And he's like, mm -hmm. "What? What's his name? His name is Chang Han." Okay. Okay. So Chang Han agrees to bring Zhang out to this cave. Or at least where he thinks the lost village was. He doesn't know about the cave yet. Yeah, that makes sense. And he he brings him out and it's this is the mid eighties, but he literally brings him on horse and carriage. <laughs> okay. It takes like a long time. It takes a full week, you know. He camps under the stars in these like mobile Mongolian yurts that Chang Han basically sets up for him. And even though Zhang tries to talk to him in Mongolian, he just pretends that he doesn't know what he's saying. <laughs> he just nods and continues eating his soup or whatever. Uh, can Zhang speak any kind of good Mongolian? Or yeah, yeah, no, it's perfect. Oh, he's please, he's fluent. It's just. Shang Han just does not want to talk to him. It's that or he's just not responding. We don't really know why. Okay. All right. So finally, <laughs> but you know, it, it it doesn't seem like he like dislikes him. It seems like he's just we don't know yeah. what's going on up there. Okay. All right, but he's not dead. He can respond to noises. <laughs> he's not. He just okay. he nods or he shakes his head no. <laughs> That's it. In accordance with the question, does he like do the right one or just? Yeah, I mean, if if you know, at one point Shang was like, "What's your favorite color?" and he just didn't move his head at all. <laughs> so they make it out, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you know much about the Mongolian steppe. 
But at a certain point, it's almost like the desert in Arizona. It all ends up looking the same. Yeah. It's a hard one. You know, Gang Han turns to Zhang and he's like, nods at him once. (laughs) (laughs) And by this point, Zhang knows him well enough that that means here we are. Okay. (laughs) So he looks around and he's like, this looks exactly the same as everything else we just passed. I don't see... The remains of Property, anything. Ruins, nothing. Like literally nothing. So, what was Zhang's plan? Was he? Did he bring in archaeology? He thought he thought he, you know, he had basically exact coordinates now because he was able to determine different land structures from the map okay. that coordinated with certain mountains, that kind of thing. Was he going to dig for any any kind of evidence? Well, he suspected that because not many people go out to the Mongolian steppe, that there would just be the remains of something there. Hmm. It was wishful thinking, but it was fully yeah, funded. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But nevertheless, he's quite upset. You know, he's going around. You know, he's not exactly shouting, but he's pacing and he's fuming. Is a Shang uh, Han just like? Shang Han. He puts his, his he puts his hand on his shoulder and he shakes his head no. <laughs> 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 and Jang is like, you're right. Is he mute? Does, does I he... should relax. <laughs> we don't know. Does he talk to anyone else they see on the journey? Like the hotel? It's company? only those two, so who yeah, knows? No other interaction. Okay, all right. Continue. So you know, Jank Jank takes a deep breath, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna camp here one night." And he tells him that, and Chang Han just nods yes. Okay. So they're kind of bros at this point. He's like, yeah, "Okay, yeah. you'll stay an extra night." Okay. So much can be said, not using words. Exactly. <laughs> they set up their yurts beneath the beautiful Mongolian stars. And, you know, he's, uh, Zhang is laying down, getting ready to lay down for the night. And as, as he's stepping, you know, around and he realizes he has to go to pee. Okay. So he gets up and he walks a few paces off to pee. Mm-hmm. And uh, he takes a step forward, and his leg goes down into the ground up to his hip, like in like a like in just air or like a swampy stuff. Down into the ground. Oh goodness! Okay. And I don't know if you know much about males, <laughs> but if one leg goes and other leg stays up, you're in for a world of hurt. <laughs> And uh, let's just say our our pal Zhang is shouting up into the stars over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Enough so, Chang Han wakes up and walks over to him Ah, and makes the only noise that Zhang has heard him say so far, which is, oof. (laughs) Oof. (laughs) Okay, but come to find out that he didn't just step into a hole. He stepped over a ledge. If he had fallen forward, he probably would have died. And they didn't he... see that in the morning when they were setting up the tents? Well, here's the thing. Chang Ch- Ch- Ha's prepared for this type of situation. He's got a torch out already. Chang is like, where the hell did you get that from? <laughs> and he's shining it over the ledge. And, you know... Jang at this point is recovered more or less. He steps up and you know Chang Ha waves him backwards. 
mm-hmm. and they're standing over by the tents and they look out and it looks like nothing's there. But then when you get closer, you can see that there's a gap of about mm-hmm. like, you know, six, seven feet long. Yay big. Yeah. But like 50 feet deep. Ooh, a chasm, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. And Zhang sees what he thinks are stairs. What was the problem? <laughs> Tell me about the mystery of Toad Island. <laughs> Fun fact, Mongolia is one of the few entirely landlocked countries on Earth, so I'm eager to... Uh, that's what they island. want you to think, Gorb. <laughs> How right. much time do I have? You got ten minutes left. <laughs> okay. So Zhang sees what he thinks are steps. Mm-hmm. But he follows the eye, and it seems like it goes from like 50 feet down to 60 feet, further to the left, further away from where they are, down mm-hmm. to like 80, 90, and then even like further down where you can't even see the bottom. Okay. So it looks like but the it, chasm starts to narrow as you go deeper. That's correct. Okay. So he's like, dude, how are we going to get down there? Chung Han, how are we going to get down? And Chang Han just puts one finger up in front of him. <laughs> He's like, okay, I guess I'll just wait here. Then he watches Chang Han go into his tent. And then he waits 10 minutes and realizes Chang Han just went to sleep. <laughs> so Zhang is like, okay. Did he leave him the torch wait. or anything? What? Did he leave him the torch or anything? Or is he just. No, no, he just went to sleep. <laughs> I think he had enough adventure for the night. So Zhang decides, okay, I guess we're going to figure this out in the morning. They both go to sleep. And when Zhang wakes up, he hears noises already happening outside of his tent. He goes over. What kind of noises? Well, here's the thing. He looks out and he sees Chang Han has already made some sort of fastened rope using the very taut like vines and bushes that are in the Mongolian steppe. He's like, Zhang is thinking in his head at this point. That looks like it would have taken 30 people to do. You got a bear grills out here. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, he walks over and uh, Chang Han points at the rope and he nods. And Zhang automatically knows it's ready. That's what he meant. <laughs> so, he, Zhang, you know, he, he motions towards the rope. Chang Han motions towards the rope back at him, basically being like, no, you're going first. (laughs) So Zhang goes down the rope, down the rope. He's halfway down. He looks up, keeps going down all the way down. He looks up and he realizes Chang Han is not coming. Not only that, that. (laughs) but 30 seconds later, the top of the rope drops down to the ground next to him. Ooh, plot twist. And he looks up and he does not see Chang Han anywhere. And Jang's like, well, I guess I'm dying. <laughs> but he's so curious. After like an hour or so of shouting up, realizing no one's coming back, he's like, well, there's only one way I can go. Further down. Further down. Okay. So he starts to go down. And he goes further and further and further down. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like seeming like he's going so far down that it doesn't even really seem humanly possible. Like he seems like he, he feels like he's been walking for like three or four hours. Right. And yeah. it, it's not like the steps are flat or like they're going down incrementally. These are like the kind of steps where you have to lift your hip down past it to get to the second oh, step. Yeah. They're steep. They're steep. Exactly. Too steep. Then finally, after what seems like maybe like seven, six, seven hours of going down the steps, he's Can exhausted. He Does he have a flashlight? A torch? He's sweating. He has maybe half a water bottle of water left. Does he and have got, any light? How does he he's know where he's going? He's got some jerky in his pocket. Okay, does he have a light? How does he know? He does not. Going? Okay, all right. And the light had gone out long ago. So he's just feeling around? Is that how he's doing it? Well, I mean, it, at this point, it's just wall, step, wall. Okay. There's, there's pretty, not much to feel. simple. All right. And finally, he takes a, he sits down. He hadn't stopped this whole time. He's just like, I'm going to go until I see something. No, that makes sense. Yeah. He finally sits down, and he just listens absolute silence and then he just hears he hears he's like what is that (laughs) he goes further down further down and he just hears what sounds like croaking like a frog like a toad perhaps corp perhaps (laughs) he goes further further down and finally, five? Five, yep, you got five left. The land flattens. He looks up, and he cannot even see the stars. Well, that would make sense, because he's underground, right? He's not underground. The sky goes up and up and up and up. But at a certain point, he can't even see anything up into the air. Wait, so he went... He's down. not underground yet. He goes oh, across the flat. Okay, got it. Okay, he's still in the cave. And then it becomes a cave. Okay, got it. Okay. But he's not that tall of a man. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but he has to crouch down pretty far to get into this tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it, he's realizing it's getting smaller. And he's like, dude, <laughs> I can't go back now. Yeah, no, so he's just now. he's crawling at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And he hears what sounds like running water. He gets down there, and there is an under underground oasis of sorts, mm-hmm. which seems to be lit up by bioluminescent plants. Ooh, interesting! Green, blue mushrooms. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So he he he's pretty relieved, but then pretty immediately that feeling goes complete 180 because at the bottom of this lagoon are bones. Human okay? bones. Okay. Yep. Bones everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. He keeps hearing croaking, croaking, croaking. And he's... How much time do I have? You have uh, three minutes left. He, he, you know, he's he's getting towards the middle. And he ran out of water a while back. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know all these bones are here. 
on Thursday. So he like smells it. He like feels it with his fingers. He's like, it seems like water, like it's running. Mm -hmm. So he, he drinks a little bit of it. And within a minute, two minutes, he's starting to feel woozy loopy. Woozy loopy, oh boy. Woozy loopy. Mm -hmm. And then he realizes he sees toads swimming around in the water. Okay. And, you know, he he's a historian, but he also did ayahuasca once in Peru. <laughs> He knows He's like this psychoactive toads. This is the same feeling. <laughs> he vomits into the water. He's lying on his side. And he looks up. And he sees Chang Han. Interesting. He's like, he's like, Chang Han, what are you doing here? Doesn't respond. Drags his body. What was the exact prompt? <laughs> Tell me about the mysteries of Toad Island. Okay, we're good. Okay. Drags his body out into the middle of the oasis. Mm -hmm. Through water, he's you know up to his neck in water. He's just looping out at this point. He's just letting it happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Chang'an lays him down in the center of the island, which is in the middle of the lagoon. Underground, yep. And all of a sudden, the toads start to croak extremely loudly mm -hmm. it'd be almost it become he doesn't know if it's just him tripping or like what but it starts to sound like it's an orchestra deafening okay like there are sopranos baritones altos all different very coordinated sounds one minute left one minute of the toads mm -hmm. and then he lays down in chang'an's lap and chang'an looks at him he looks down at him and he says, you are my toad now. What? <laughs> and Jane goes, what? <laughs> and he goes, oof. <laughs> <laughs> and when he says that, he feels his arms start to shrivel, shrivel, shrivel down into tiny, tiny little toad arms, and his human body is shedding off of him. And he shrinks down, down, down into Chang'an's hands. And slowly Chang'an leaves him off into the water. Wow! That was actually really good. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs>